Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the State of Play podcast. I am your host, Martino Puccio. Out this week is Pet Berisha. Obviously, thoroughly upset. Arsenal lost out on Hakan Chalanoglu, so he needed to take the day off from this. So it'll just be myself, Matt Santangelo, and our very special guest. But first, Matt, we'll just get to you. How are you doing? Doing pretty well. Of course, Italy make a three of three, and Poland have a pulse going into the final match against Sweden. So all in all, the Euro landscape looks pretty good for me. And of course, Hakan is not renewing, which is pretty delightful. So I'm yeah. doing pretty well. Yeah, even if he goes to a city rival, honestly, don't give a shit. He can, <laughs> he can go, man, whatever, especially after the Euros. Um, but yeah, we obviously have a very special guest. Um, this is going to be more for Americans, I guess. I'm definitely going to know who he is, especially if you're a big time stoolie. Uh, I know I am. I know Matt follows Barstool like mm-hmm. that. But yes. their main soccer guy before, uh, you know, especially North London soccer guy before uh, – you know, good old troops came in from London and stealing a little bit of that thunder right now. We got, I got, I got to see a live stream of that North London Derby next year, but <laughs> we got Sam's army in here. Sam, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you boys doing? Fantastic. Not Fantastic. bad. Not bad. You know, these games are on in the background right now. So we're going to try and hurry up and get in as much as we can for this. Obviously a very busy day. It's great. It's honestly like March madness um, with Copa America and the Euros on at the same time, basically 9 a.m. start for the games over here on the East Coast. And it goes all the way into nighttime when Copa America's last game sometimes starts at 8. It's just, I feel disgusting, but uh, I love it at the same time. So we got a few things to get into. Obviously, well-documented on how big of a Spurs fan you are. Um, crazy, crazy. <laughs> week, I don't even know. A week, week is like selling it short on what's been happening the past few weeks. But... Obviously, things have been in disarray for a little while now um, and hectic since that Champions League final uh, against Liverpool. Mourinho leaves a couple days before a cup final. um, And then since then, it's kind of been all over the place. Manager carousel, Conte coming, not coming, Paulo Fonseca coming, not coming, Gattuso fired before he even got rumored to Spurs to begin with. I mean, there's been a bevy of stories on top of the Harry Kane situation, but we'll kind of just get to this managerial spot first. Daniel Levy, well-documented, not the easiest guy to deal with, but probably not the worst considering uh, some of the other clubs that are running the Premier League. But what's kind of your opinion of him? Like, is he, are you tired of him right now? Or do you kind of understand the angle that he's in? Because finances are kind of tight, especially with the stadium and COVID and all that. Or are you just kind of really tired of the same old story because you guys took a couple steps back opposed to recent years? You know, I'm not in the um, in the camp that just is ready to to you know burn Levy and effigy at this point. Like, I try and keep a um, sort of a big picture view of things, and the guy has done a pretty good job. I mean, Tottenham now, 2021, uh, year of our Lord, like compare this 10 years ago, like we're just in a, just in a much, much better position. So the people who are all up in arms about like, okay, we've had a bad essentially season and a half, maybe two seasons at this point um, and are ready to cut bait and like sort of just whatever, I don't know what it is they're calling for. You know, it's not like uh, people have been trying to get ownership out of Arsenal for decades at this point, And that's not really working. So it, it, it's not like that's really going to work. Um, 
I'm not of the mind that Daniel Levy is like the worst thing to come along. I, I know that he's tough to deal with, like in terms of negotiations. Um, but when it comes to this coaching thing, which I know was, was your original question, um, I'm, I don't buy into all this like, you know, spurs are flailing around and they can't get anything done. Like this is a normal coach search. Like when you, well, okay. It's not normal. You don't fire a coach right before a cup final. <laughs> that, that obviously is is abnormal. I did not see that coming. But moving forward in terms of trying to find an actual coach, uh, this is just how things go. You bring guys in, you try and work out the deals, you see if you like them, you see if they like you. Uh, and it's kind of like speed dating. And, you know, it's not always going to work out. And the people who basically ha- on Twitter have, you know, anointed us as having hired and fired at least five or six managers in the last month or so. I think it's just mostly for clicks and retweets. I get it. Tottenham is in a spot right now that we're, it's easy to make fun of the club and it's easy to make uh, jokes and everything, which is totally fine. That's what Twitter's for, but I just don't buy it. I just don't buy into the the club being quite uh, as um, you know, the dog in that meme with uh, everything's fine or this is fine, everything's fine with fire all around him. I, I just don't buy into it at this point. Like, I think Levy, he went after a couple guys. Uh, he really wanted Nagelsmann for sure. And uh, perhaps there was uh, a couple others he, he was really sort of interested in. And when they didn't work out, uh, you know, I think he's waiting for the Euros to, to you know, come and go. And perhaps somebody like Roberto Mancini will be, you know, his next target. I don't know. You know, this is total guesswork, which I think also is what a lot of these sort of retweet merchants are doing. They're just throwing shit at the wall. But I think we're in a fine spot. I think if the Euros come and go, we finish up the Euros and we still don't have a coach within a week or two, then I'm going to get nervous. That's when I'm going to start to hit the panic button. But right now, I'm fine. We're doing all right. Who would you be? Think, who would be your? Pre- uh, sorry, Matt. Who would be your preference for manager at this point? Pochettino. Do you even have one? Pochettino, absolutely. From day one, I've, I've wanted <laughs> Pochettino coming. So my, I've been very consistent. Maybe not realistic, but I've been very consistent in my preferences. So number one is Pochettino, far and away. I want him to come back. I want him to win something. I think that would keep Harry Kane here for one thing. Um, so I, I just, I would love Pochettino to come back. Obviously, it doesn't sound very realistic. Number two would be Zidane. Again, maybe not very realistic, uh, but I think he's a, an awesome coach. And obviously he has the gravitas to sort of, I think also keep Kane. Um, after that, I'm just sort of like, I don't care. Like, well, it's not that I don't care. It's, it's just that I have no insight into it. And I don't really know who the real candidates are, like in terms of who gets me interested perhaps Mancini. I think he's done a good job with, you know, City back in the day. And he's done, obviously, he hasn't lost a game with Italy, I don't think. So, like, you know, he's a, he's a good manager. Um, if you've ever seen him walking on the beach, the dude's, like, 60 years old and, like, you know, built like a Greek god as well. Just, oh, by the way. Um, so there's there's a lot. There's there's other ones out there. There's people that uh, have been talked about that have seen him come into Vogue and then out of Vogue, like Brendan Rodgers and Ten Hag and some other guys. Um, but I, I just don't really buy into it too deeply at this point and just sort of waiting to see what actually comes from the club. Because like I said, we've hired and fired five managers in the last month if you if you followed Twitter too closely. So I just don't really buy into it at this point. Yeah, there was 
there was first there was even rumors about Maurizio Sarri going back, um, you know, which obviously he's a he's an acquired taste. We all know the type of football he can administer, but it takes time. And um, if you're going to hire someone like him, there is the plan in mind that you're giving him multiple windows, multiple seasons to construct his his squad. And I don't know if Tottenham are in a position where they're willing to give that sort of rope and leash to a coach like him that needs very specific players, certain wingers, certain midfielders, which you can make a case most managers do anyway. If you see what Pep is doing, he needs his fullbacks, 150 million um, he spent on fullbacks and, and, and climbing at this point. Um, Fonseca was even someone that I thought that would have been a pretty decent fit for Tottenham. And me and Martino have spoken at length about him and his time at Roma. The fact that it was uh, a little difficult, right? You know, he, they, we all know Roma's situation financially. We all know COVID came into play. There was a transition of ownership from Pelota to Friedkin, and there was still some uncertainty as to how much they would spend on the market. Of course, they missed out on Europa League, so they don't really have to worry about that next year. But I thought Fonseca is a nice, polished, buttoned-up, plays a good style of football. He did that at Shakhtar in the Champions League. I thought he would have been a pretty decent fit. Um, and Gattuso, I just never liked for Tottenham. I just thought that was a very kind of strange fit, obviously, for, for many reasons. But the last thing before we move on to Kane, uh, Sam, is if you had your choice, I know you maybe kind of addressed this with some of the the, the potential options for the bench, but... Would you want a more established coach? Like, do you think that that's the direction they need to go? Someone that can like maybe in a year, year and a half, get them back to where they were a couple of years ago? Or are you okay with them going for someone who is willing to, to give that time to them, but to be um, a little bit more patient with how that project is, is, is rebuilt so they can get back to where they need to be? How do you feel about that? I guess I'd lean towards more established because I feel like that's more likely to keep Kane uh, in the club for at least a season or two. So I guess that'd be my preference. I mean, like you just can't replace a guy like Harry Kane. I mean, he's just a huge part of the club. He has been forever and just on the field, off the field. I think we need to, it's, I'm also a, a Green Bay Packers fan, you know, here in NFL. So like, I'm in the same situation with Aaron Rodgers. It's like, do we try and keep him? Um, you know, what's the situation there? It's a very uh, a summer of upheaval for your boy over here. I'll tell you that. But um, I think in terms of if you're going to go, you know, young and everything, I feel early, you know, less well-known, I guess that means that you're probably, unless, unless the guy comes in, guy or girl, uh, not to be, um, you know, say it's one or the other. Uh, but I think that you're basically saying, okay, we're giving up on Kane and we're going to take the hundred million or whatever it is from Man City or PSG. And we're going to do a full rebuild. I think that's what that means. And obviously that, that will, you know, fans will not like to hear that. And they never do. Uh, and I'm a fan, so I would not like to hear that, but you know, I can see the positives of that. Uh, at the same time, I am in the camp. I would prefer to get somebody who's established a known quantity. And, uh, you know, I think that this team is not that far away from uh, really competing for for trophies. So, you know, I mean, we made it to the League Cup this season in a season that we just were not that good. And we had clear, very clear holes in the squad. If we could move towards filling those, get some center backs, um, maybe a, a right back or left back uh, that really fits the bill. Um, and we could compete. I think we're, we're close enough that if we had a coach and a couple more pieces that we can compete. So I'm leaning, I'm on the side of, I would prefer an established manager and a couple of pieces to try and go, go get a trophy. Um, that's where I'm at right now. Anyway. 
I think it's fair. I mean, I think, you know, anytime you're one of the main Premier League clubs, big stadium, big ambitions, you know, a few years removed from a Champions League final um, and a team that has been in that top four conversation for as long as they have, I think you have to be naturally aggressive, right? You can't go and accept that sort of regression and, and mediocrity so in that position. So I definitely agree with you. But on Kane, um, where do you see this going? Because I think we, we, we've had plenty of discussions. You know, we've had from an Arsenal standpoint, our, 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 our co, co-host, Ped, who's not here, big Arsenal fan, but we also had his friend who's also a coach and a talent guy um, in Harry Brooks. And he's really spoken uh, at length about the whole Harry Kane situation and what direction they should go with this. The player power now is so much more prevalent now than it has been in any other era. And typically that when, the, when, it, when, when it comes to these situations, more oftentimes than not, it's the player that gets, gets what he wants in this situation. Yep. Where do you see this going? Because I, I know they're going to probably get the deal done to extend and renew um, Son, which is a huge move. Obviously, he's probably the second best player in this team you can make a case strongly for. But when you're looking at the figures for Kane, you know what he wants to go after. He wants to win trophies, and it, you can't really blame him for that. I understand that. And he has the opportunity to potentially go to uh, a city if, 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 that's what, if the rumors are true. How do you see this playing out? I mean, I know you want to keep him. Obviously, that's the case. That's what you want. He's a club legend, and he's England's number one uh, up front. But how do you see this ultimately playing out? Do you think he stays for another year? Do you think they say, you know what, we're going to sell him now, maximize our return, and try and see if we can reinvest that into the market and, and rebuild a project under a new coach? Yeah, you know, it's going to depend on the coach, I think. Uh, so there's so many uh, moving parts that it's tough to say what exactly happens. But I've always been of the mind that I think he, I mean, he's been very clear he wants to win trophies, but he's also been very clear that he loves Tottenham. I think he will ultimately give us another season, unless the coaching search goes in a direction that like really doesn't please him. I think that he will give us one more season to perhaps win a trophy um, and then, or perhaps demonstrate that we, are really close to winning a trophy because honestly, just because we made the league cup final this past season, I would not put us in the category of, of close to winning a trophy. This team just wasn't very co- competitive this year. Um, but I think if we are in the actual conversation for pushing towards the title next season, if we add some more pieces, then he would stay and he, and he would, uh, I think he really wants to win a trophy with Tottenham. Like I, I really do think that that is in his, um, you know, mindset. He really, really wants to make that happen but at the end of the day I think you're right like a player is going to get what they want these days especially a a guy like Kane with as much um, sort of clout uh, as he has so I wouldn't be surprised if they have some sort of agreement that like if a, a certain number comes in from probably City or maybe PSG that they will let him go so how do I see it playing out I think we end up keeping him one more season and then perhaps he heads on. I think that's my, that would be my base case. Just guests uh, without knowing who the coach is going to be without knowing if they're going to bring anybody in next season, you know, Levy is famously um, let's see uh, a pincher of pennies. Um, but I think that Levy understands that he has this new stadium, huge, beautiful new stadium. 
the only thing that's going to fill it is a good team. So he needs to keep a competitive team on the, on the field. And I'm pretty sure he knows that this past season did not live up to that standard. So I'm hopeful that he understands as much as he does not like to spend money. I hope I'm hoping he understands that you got to make uh, spend money to make money and he will bring a coach in with an established name and has that sort of gravitas to keep Kane. Kane will stick around for a season. We'll win a trophy or two. And then, I mean, God, if we actually do something uh, good for once, maybe he'll stick around longer than that. I think that's a little, I mean, I'm already sort of on blue sky scenario at this point talking out of my butt, but um, that's my hopes and dreams for, for where things go for here. I think base case, I think we get one, one more season out here at game. Yeah, I agree. So I agree with that as well. Um, Cause Lady's not going to shy away from, you know, like straight cash for Harry because because he's not he's not gonna it's already said by like Fab and it's kind of been well documented with the way he does the other deals and in in the past that it's cash or leave me alone and whether or not it's the soundest strategy is another discussion but I agree with you I think he at least stays at another season if they're not accepting 100 million pounds plus like a Sterling or Gabriel Jesus, like it's just not going to happen at this point. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think they'll probably figure it out after the Euros, like you said. God um, yeah, for you, for you, I hope. So. <laughs> exactly. uh, maybe maybe Rogers in that situation will be figured out in two weeks. Whether or not that'll be good uh, is another discussion as well. <laughs> um, so something you and I have in common: uh, betting. It's the shit. Losing money. Yes. Well, yes, yes. I was up six dollars this week, so I'm right. Um, so it's amazing. It's growing rapidly in the United States because people are finally shy not shying away anymore that they bet. Um, we've seen it in newspapers for years. All the all the lines next to the football teams, like NFL teams, and we see it more and more with you guys at Barstool with Penn. Um right. FanDuel, DraftKings, all these other places. It's amazing. Why? First of all, why is it so amazing? Two, why is it so amazing about football? Because, I mean, just like right now, currently going on, like live betting, these sports. I think live betting, like football, soccer, is is one of the best things because you could, you could really make a lot of money if you know what you're watching because there's certain things to bet, like corner kicks, um, shots on goals, <laughs> stuff like that. And the futures are the most fun thing for these tournaments. I mean, we get Euros, Copa America, Gold Cup coming soon. Um, and then eventually the Olympics as well. Like, it's, it's amazing. Because I read your stuff all the time when you when you posted, um, like, Champions League previews or whatever else you have for uh, the week as well. So, yeah. It is. It's a brave new world in terms <laughs> of, uh, you know, regulation. What What's driving the regulation, whether – I mean, usually what it comes down to is money at the end of the day, perhaps, you know, uh, state governments are are seeing the dollar signs and they need to fill their, fill their uh, coffers. Um, It's, it's, it's an interesting time, you know, like the, because we've always sort of, as you said, like the lines have been in newspapers in terms of the uh, NFL games, you know, the lines were in the newspapers is, you know, for decades, right. I always remember them being there, even though, the only place you could allegedly or, you know, supposedly bet was in Vegas. Um, but obviously that's not exactly true. And, and, you know, now it's just, it's more out in the open, which I think is a good thing. Transparency in pretty much all facets of life is a good thing. So, 
I, I, I get I get the the reason for it. It, it obviously um, brings some problems with you know perhaps uh, raising the the risk of you know gambling addiction and this sort of thing. So obviously it's something that people need to keep an eye on. But yeah, I, I like the transparency, everything being out there, and as you said, like the the live betting, especially if you're if you're a soccer fan who watches the game and sort of understands the game, and you know you see a team go down early or just, you know, something happens and you're just like, look, this team is just ready to, to break out. Like they have another 70 minutes to, to make things happen. Like, I feel like it, there is something to be said there for people who know what's, what's what, and you can, you know, you can make some live bets or whatever it is and, and hopefully uh, make some money. I, I'm always of the mind that I just do it to, keep my interest like if there's a game that i don't really have some sort of rooting interest it's it's useful right then there's so many games we don't have rooting interest in to, to just make it a little worth your while i'm not i'm not a person who when like say the u.s plays say tottenham plays say that any team that i really like is playing i like pretty much never bet on it i just i already have enough emotional investment i don't need i don't need other things coming into play um, despite when, you knowing Spurs tendencies to choke and blow shit all the time, you never like, cause I'm a, I'm a Mets and Jets <laughs> fan. So it's basically like the equivalent of Spurs. Right. Yeah. And like, I live bet against them all the time. I'm just like, they're going to lose. So I might as well like get something out of it, but I respect, I respect everyone thinks I'm a psychopath. Well, that means you're smarter than me. I'm just not willing to uh, <laughs> cash in on my known sadness. <laughs> yeah. The, the fact that uh, frustration, pain, and sadness is coming in my future. I'm not willing to cash in on that or hedge. Like I just need to be down bad on the uh, basement floor, you know, face down crying. Uh, without some sort of like silver lining of, well, at least I made money off it. Like, I just don't want that. I just want to be all the way happy or all the way sad. And uh, yeah, it's not, the, it's not a very good way to live. I'll tell you that, especially with Tottenham always bringing me down, but that's, that's my, that's my mentality when it comes to, uh, comes to that sort of thing. Your point being, you're smarter than me. I should probably learn from I, you. Listen, I'm, I'm smart. Like sometimes, but then I start, it gets into the reverse jinx lately. And I kind of <laughs> been getting annoyed with it because I live bet against the Mets sometimes. And then it's just like, it backfires on me. But, but if the further it gets into a season where things get more dire, I can't, I can't bet on it because it's, it becomes way too emotional uh, for me. Like when Milan was like going towards the end of the season, like I couldn't think properly heading into a game. I'm just like, okay, like I'm just going to stay away from it. And I totally get, and I can only imagine like week in, week out with Spurs. It's the same sentiment, <laughs> only ten, only tenfold. Um, I've had some decency in the past of seeing good stuff, but I mean, it's, yeah, it's well documented about Spurs. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll just talk about our boys then in blue and let's get it. U.S. Men's National Team, the golden generation. Um, already a big fuck you to Mexico. It was amazing. That was like one of the craziest games I've ever seen across any sport, um, especially when it got to extra time. They had everything you needed. Rivalry, uh, shit being thrown on the field, um, chance like who knows what they were exactly saying, um, injuries, substitutions of, of guys getting on the field uh, like Havrath, uh, penalty saves, uh, penalty makes, um, you know, youthful scores like Gio Reyna again on the sheet. I mean, it was just everything that you wanted um, back and forth. And then the response, I think in general from the team 
was just everything you've ever wanted to see from this group and everything you've wanted to see since the Trinidad game. Yeah. You know, exactly. We, we, exactly. Yeah. Go for it. Go for it. No, 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 go. That's you. <laughs> well, I was, it's, you couldn't have said it better. I mean, that's basically it. You know, there's been this sort of aura of negativity that has surrounded the entire U S men's specifically program. Yeah. And you know, we haven't really done much to even sort of start to dispel that. We've, there's, there's this team has had so much potential, and we know that they see, we, we know the talent is there. We watch, you know, McKenney, Pulisic, Adams, these guys playing over in Europe, doing big things in like Champions League and stuff like that. So we, we know the talent is there. We didn't really know whether they were going to be a team, didn't really know if they were going to have the, you know, that sort of grit, heart uh, factor that you need in CONCACAF. And I think that we pretty much saw everything that we needed to see in that one, you know, I would say 90 minutes, but 120 minutes against Mexico. We saw everything. We saw the talent. We saw the heart. They came back twice, uh, including one after a goal in the first minute, essentially. Like that's, that's something that lesser teams, you know, that would, that would make people fold or at least sort of drop their level. And this team just kept on fighting, kept on going, kept on um, dodging you know, whatever it was, he said, shit, I talked to Legit, Sebastian Legette the other week and he, he couldn't confirm or deny whether it was beer or some other liquid that were, that were it looked like soda too. I knew Gio got hit in the face. And then the funniest part was when they hit Andres Cuadrado after um, I'm pretty sure it was him or Martin. It was Martin. It was Martin. Well, yeah. it was, Oh, Guadrado committed the foul on that, which should have been a red in the first place. Cause he started like, pounding whoever it was he found i got i i got so heated in the moment was it Gar- um, who actually had the uh that like supposedly moved the uh or like started like uh ruining the penalty spot for pusik that was him right was it i didn't it even know about like that until now that's news to me people were like sharing an image of on to, on, oh. on twitter that he was kind of like messing around with the penalty spot before pulisic stepped up i don't know how true that was but well, good, good, good. Thank, thanks to him. I mean, it was a fucking beautiful penalty that it's, he couldn't have hit it better than he did. Um, so kudos, bro. Appreciate the karma, it. Uh, karma God's got him back I about mean, five minutes later too. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I want to, I want to yeah, ask you real quick. Um, we're about what a year out from, from the world cup, right? It's crazy to think that we're going to have another major tournament in a year, which is pretty cool. Um, but at the same time, it's going to be unlike any other world cup we've had in years in Qatar. What is your feeling? What's your general feeling about the U.S. men's national team from a squad standpoint and from a coaching standpoint? Uh, do you feel confident that this team can do maybe what they did um, somewhat, like you know, kind of have that same sort of magic that they had in 2014? I know it's a different squad dynamic, much more young, vibrant, energetic, a lot more players playing abroad in major European leagues and clubs. What is your feeling about the squad? Are there players that you think? you know, in, within a year's time will have taken their game to new heights. Are there players that you've seen enough of and you're simply done with and just don't think they quite have what it makes, have what it takes to, to make an impact long-term in this project, given the more competitive nature of the squad? How are you, how do you feel overall a year out? I feel, and thankfully I'm going to, it's, it's more like uh, what, 16 months, right? And those extra months may be yeah, important yeah. given the, the youth. Uh, Winter World is. Cup. Exactly. November, I think, is is when it starts. So, um, yeah, I'm very excited. I'm very hopeful. Uh, Anytime anytime these international tournaments, we're watching the Euros right now, we're watching Copa right now, you you see like a turkey squad 
who came in just their their results were all over the map but they had this sort of high ceiling and this potential is like you know what they could be they could be a problem for teams and they completely fell flat so like that that is always a possibility um obviously it's one that uh, i'm not willing to entertain in my brain because my brain only has so much space in it i uh, can't really worry about those negative thoughts and the negative hypotheticals but in terms of where i see like where this team is going, I, I am sold on a lot of this team. Um, there's some there's some spots that we clearly need to um, talent needs to prove themselves. Something somebody like Chris Richards at center back that is something not just him, but there's other op, op, options out there. Somebody like that to sort of solidify themselves next to a John Brooks would make this team you know, miles better right now, that other center back spot, unless we're going to go with some sort of, you know, three in the back formation, which is possible. But like the fact that we only have one clear center back right now, and we're going to talk about three center backs, that's, that's a step, uh, you know, too far. Hmm. Um, but they're, the, the young guys that are coming over from, from Europe uh, to play with, I mean, they're basically, they went over to Europe. Now they're coming back just to play with the U S team. I'm sold on pretty much all those guys. The guys that st- the team that was out there against Mexico was just uh, it was beautiful, you know. You had guys like even even Yedlin coming back in the squad. If he can c- continue to get minutes and first team minutes, like we have so much, um, we have more depth than we've ever had. We have more talent than we've ever had. It's just I'm excited. There's holes, but we've got 16 months to figure that out. Yeah, and that's on the player side. On the coaching side, I know I really I you know. Listen, anybody who's on Twitter understands that the the negativity surrounding the entire U.S. men's national team program, the sort of focal point of much of that has been Burhalter. Rightly or wrongly, he's, I mean, he's the coach. So that's what sort of, that's part of the gig. You know, it's unfortunate the way he was hired. It's just like he's going to have to live with the um, perception of, uh, nepotism like it's just he's yeah. gonna have to live with that for forever really uh which is really unfortunate because all the people i talk to when i when i talk to players who have played with him or players that have you know played under him like they pretty much across the board say he's a really smart guy he's a really good soccer dude and he's got a good brain he's committed to this like the, the there's a lot of glowing report. I don't hear like any negativity from people who actually know him, who have actually played with him. So, you know, I, I think that's why I try and take a step back and I understand the negativity. I understand the, the essentially the hate that, that comes at him on Twitter. So, you know, social media period. And I get it. Cause like there's, it's a certainly an understandable situation where people would be unhappy, but I think we got to give the guy time to show what he can do. And so far, his only one big test, honestly, in the years he's been coaching, is the Champions, uh, is the CONCACAF Nations League. And he mm-hmm. passed that test. So the, the hate and the constant sort of uh, negativity being directed towards them, I get it. But at the same time, my feeling is that people need to take a chill pill on that a little bit. And let's mm-hmm. see how it goes with the uh, Gold Cup. Uh, and you know the, the the qualifying this fall, I think that the fact he got hired, he's our coach. Like for this cycle, mm-hmm. there's really no chance. I mean, like I, I'm trying to imagine a scenario where Berhalter will get would get fired. And I just can't really see it. 
Um, not with a clear replacement that like there's no one really kind of out there like the good coaches are going to be snapped up because the world cup's a quick turnaround exactly exactly i mean like jesse marsh is not walking through that door he just got a great job at rbl so let's just calm down burhalter the coach give him time and we'll see you know i think that that's where we're at right now and i get the negativity i just i just wish people would maybe just Take it down a notch at this point. <laughs> yeah, well, it's going to be a lot of it's a lot of it is too. It's just you know, I, and I listen to to an extent. I agree. I mean, in the moment, you know, I'm, I got Twitter fingers, and I'm just frustrated when you watch some of the performances and how they started in that game against Mexico. You're looking <laughs> like, come on, like there's there's too much in this squad for us to be playing this lethargic and this uninspiring. And I think that's kind of partly contributing to it, right? You know, Trinidad and Tobago missing out on the 2018 World Cup. A really one of the best generations that USA could possibly have from a talent standpoint, great athletes, technical players, players playing in the Champions League final, winning Champions League finals. I mean, they have so much in the squad. So I think it's more so that, listen, be fair, like a lot of Americans, like they have this sort of mentality when it comes to this sport. They're like, you, I mean, you hear it. You all, we all have seen it, right? Oh, if we had our best athletes playing, we would, we would dominate the sport. Like that's kind of the, the feeling that a lot of Americans have about you know soccer in this country right so so i think a lot of it's just them being on edge they're like we can't blow this like this guy we need to get more from this guy it's kind of that sort of mentality where it's not the right mentality but i can understand where they're coming from in a sense that you know top to bottom this is is probably as talented of a squad from a youth standpoint that you're going to see in 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 some time so um i will have to wait and see i mean i'm I'm hoping someone like you you mentioned this uh the central defensive situation I'm hoping Matt Miazga, New Jersey guy, Polish, uh, mm-hmm. Polish background as well. Hopefully he can do something and take a step up and not be known for that a little, that little meme he had. You know, with you know, measuring the height. I think of that was Diego Lanes. So hopefully he actually does a little bit more on the international <laughs> stage. But um, that was a funny meme. I gotta it is. It. Oh, it's a great. It's a great <laughs> meme. It's a great meme. But I think the guy, like he's kind of been in that same. He's been in that sort of conversation as like one of the main guys in the defense, or at least he should be. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea background. He was on Vitesse. He's been on loan in, in some pretty decent leagues. So I think they expect a little bit more, but I think you're right. The optimism is there for this team, um, you know, heading into that World Cup. Hopefully they, there's a qualifying there, um, but we'll have to wait and see. But uh, Martino, you want to you wanna take us take us long into the Yeah, uh, yeah. So- we got to get our plug before we go to our mm-hmm. last segment of the episode. Um, so, yeah, obviously this is a, this is a great thing uh, to discuss as always. Um, but uh, we are a podcast brought to you in affiliation with So Rare. It's the global blockchain fantasy game. So Rare is a fantasy game of soccer or football where you buy, sell, trade, and manage a virtual team with digital player cards. Very similar to the way basketball does it with their NFTs as well. If you use our link in the description of the episode and buy five new cards from the primary market, both individual cards and bundles, then you get one free Rare card. So head on over to So Rare. Pets Memphis Depay is going to soar in value. Uh, he just scored again, by the way, so... Um, the Dutch, are, the Dutch are over. Yeah, exactly. It's perfect for him. But he's thinking of wanting to sell Memphis because of the transfer to Barca because he doesn't think he's going to do that great. But I, I you know, I kind of disagree. He's got Ronald Koeman there. But anyways, that's where we are with that plug. Um, so final part of the episode. Let's get into it. Um, two real things. The two major tournaments going on right now are the Euros and Copa America as well. Uh, let's start with Copa America first, and then we'll go with the Euros last. Um, Messi's been amazing over the course of the first two games. Um, there's no doubt about it. It's really unfortunate that a lot of people around the world are kind of asleep while these games go on. But he looked amazing versus Uruguay. He scored an amazing free kick against Chile. Uh, 
this guy looks absolutely amazing. And unfortunately, Brazil is an absolute powerhouse this tournament. So it's been really <laughs> difficult for him to beat them. I don't know how much of, uh, I don't know, admirer you are of Messi compared I'm to team Messi. All the okay, way. good. Always happen. You know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I told, I told Matt this, I, there's a lot of things I am actually rooting for less with my personal teams. So I could just see Messi win a, a cup for once because, you know, gold medal is great in the Olympics, but it's U23. This would be amazing. And winning it in Brazil, unlike he was able to do in 2014. Um, and then whatever other standout players that you've seen so far within the tournament. Um, yeah, go ahead. I mean, but yeah, Messi's like ridiculous. Yeah. I was trying to wrap my head around Copa and I talked about this on our last podcast. I was like, what? what is it about Copa this year that just hasn't grasped me? You know, just really hasn't gotten in my brain yet. I loved it. I've loved watching it and everything. Like I'll, I'll wake up here. I'm in Chicago. So the games in the Euros start at eight uh, in the morning and then basically go till four and then four till like nine. We got, we got Euros or uh, Copa. I've loved it. Like I love watching it, but I haven't been sort of really captivated or captured by what's going on in the tournament. And I realized it's very simple what's going on here and why I haven't been. It's basically like, so they got 10 teams, right? And they broke into two groups. Uh, obviously, this is an ideal. Two of the teams, Qatar and I think New Zealand, dropped out for obvious reasons with COVID. So they, they're just sort of catching as catch can in terms of how they're doing the tournament. But they're doing this initial group stage with two groups of five. And four of the five in each group move on. That's so I realized finally why I just haven't gotten that into it. It's because like these group stage games, they really are uh, sort of borderline meaningless for teams that actually probably have a, have a shot at, at winning this. So I'll put that as my uh, just sort of backdrop to my thoughts on the Copa where, where I haven't really gotten into it nearly as much as I have as the Euro as with the Euros. Um, but what I have been watching, I, I couldn't agree more about Messi. Like I, 2014 at the World Cup, like I was rooting for him and for Argentina to win that. Like I honestly feel like something happened in the universe. Argentina was supposed to win that. They were supposed to win that World Cup. Higuain, you know, biffed an, an easy chance and I think cost them the game, cost Messi like a certain sort of, Extra. A lifetime of pressure. Yes, exactly. Like his entire reputation and his higher legacy is different because Iwain, you know, had to eat an extra uh, you know, donut hole or something. And he just was a little too slow and couldn't quite get there. Uh, but whatever. So we're moving on. I, I'm with you on the messy. He's been awesome. I'm rooting for them. The thing is, and you sort of touched on this, this tournament feels like back in the day when Tiger Woods was in his heyday and he was just, you know, winning tournaments and uh, having sexual relations with Denny, Denny's waitresses, like just left and right. <laughs> he was unstoppable. And every tournament would come, you know, it basically would be, let's say it'd be like a 70% chance Tiger. And this is from the betting lines. It'd be like a 70% yeah. chance Tiger Woods wins and a 30% chance that the field wins. That's was like the betting line back in, back in these days. This That's what Copa feels like. It's like we got Brazil and they are stacked 
They are, you know, in Instead floor. of Denny's waitresses, it's Neymar's sister, basically. <laughs> oh, I'm not going there. <laughs> um, but yeah, and they're playing at home. It's just like it's Brazil. And, and it, who's going to beat them? I have no idea. I mean, I really hope it's Argentina. If it's anybody, I really do think it's going to be Argentina. But until we get to the knockouts, I just, it's, I don't know. I've been sort of, I'm watching it and I'm loving the soccer, but it's just like, it's just not that captivating and like no fans in the stands obviously puts a little damper on it. Mm. Um, I think when we get to the knockouts, I'll be, I'll be really rare to go a little bit more, but for now I'm just, I'm loving it, but I'm just not quite as into it as I, as I should be. That's a really long answer there. (laughs) Do you guys feel differently? Um, I, well, me personally, like I was saying, I've been a sicko for like 12 hours a day. So like, I, I'm, I'm just like solely rooting for him. And then again, much like your point with the betting, like if I'm able to get something like I parlayed um, Scotland to cover by one and a half and a Chile win um, the other day when that was played on Friday, I believe it was. It was like, you know, it kept me interested in that to watch Chile, but I wasn't like super invested in like over the 90 minutes, but that's the best I can do really. <laughs> so, um, you know what I mean? And and it sucks too, because Chile has those injuries and no Alexis Sanchez to watch um, too. So it kind of takes away from it. But, and also like going out, there's like a great Hispanic community, obviously in the New York area. So I'm not able to really go out to that many places at the moment to go and watch it. Like it used to be with Copa America. Um, I've been full in. I'm just like all messy. Like I watch Brazil and I'm like, oh shit. Like they got to play a perfect game, which, which, you know, spin zone, obviously. Um, If Messi beats that team in Brazil, then that's an ultimate legacy boost because they should have no chance to beat them. But if they do, then it's that's an amazing story. So I, love Matt, I love it. And just one that's all it takes is one game. You know, Brazil obviously anything they probably win ninety-seven out of hundred games, but you know, maybe just one of those one of those one chances in a in a million where Messi, as we've said, the guy, he's not human. So if you really and we've seen Neymar have it. off nights in the Champions League too, yeah. where he can't finish. You know, um, I mean, listen, the Neymar injury is always right around the corner. <laughs> always, yes. I mean, I love watching minus two seventy five. I love watching the guy play, but yeah. to think that he's going to go through an entire tournament without an injury is is definitely, a, I would yeah. say, a long shot. So you know, who knows? We'll see. They obviously got more than Neymar. They're not a one, yeah, yeah. one guy team, but uh, and he is fun to watch. But yeah, I feel, like we'll I feel like there's more balance with this Argentina team too. Like I think you know, in defense, Christian Romero is a hot commodity. Um, at Atalanta, you know, they have Emmy Martinez in net. I think when you look back at some of the teams that Messi helped carry and ultimately came up short in some other competitions, I don't think it was as deep as the squad is now. I know Messi's at a different part of his career, but he's still incredibly effective, incredibly influential. Is still probably the best player in the world, in my opinion. But you know, obviously, I think, you know, everyone here is in Messi's camp. So hopefully Messi gets a Copa America and then we can extend that conversation about who's better with uh, Ronaldo or Messi. Because honestly, frankly, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of hearing the Ronaldo <laughs> stuff and the, 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 the Coca-Cola and the guy only drinks water. I'm tired of that crap. Like, it's, I, may, I need Messi to get one. Like, he's got to get something here. But, That's right. Uh, it's, it's the big, it's the big bruise on his, you know, yeah, resume. His big, it is. Big yeah, he has, like, he has an Olympic gold, but like he was like 17. Like, I don't think people are going to – Ronaldo fans aren't going to count that. They're going to say it's a – Yeah, but, well, well, Ronaldo fans counted a trophy when he was – 
you know, they finished third in the group and he didn't even really play in that final and scored him. <laughs> yeah, one that's out. Right. But I digress, right? I digress. <laughs> um, so, so finally, Euros. let's talk yeah. about the Euros here real quickly and then we'll let you go, Sam. Um, yeah. Give me your, I guess, so far, I mean, we still have to wait how, how to see how some of these groups play out and it's still very early. But so far, initially, who have been your most, um, who have been your standout performers, standout players, and squads that have maybe um, impressed you or surprised you? And some of the squads that, um, relative to the, 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 the quality they have, have underwhelmed and haven't shown enough based on your expectation. Sure. Two stand out on the positive side. I would say Italy and Netherlands. I both, both of those teams coming in, like, I get it. Like, they, they're, their resumes are impressive on paper. They're impressive. I haven't, um, I just have zero faith in the Netherlands because of Frank Bohr for the most part. Uh, also, obviously, missing your, your big, big man in the back, Virgil van Dijk. I think that's really a, a tough just sort of uh, transition to make. So I, I just, I'm still not sold in the Netherlands. I, I got to be honest, I'm still not sold on Italy, either, even though they have gone like, you know, a decade, it feels like at this point since they last even gave up a goal. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that really is impressive how, how long they've gone, how well they've done. I will have to say, though, they have not played a real sort of top-tier opposition in that stretch. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. I, I'm still not sold on either one of those teams, but I have to say I, I sort of trashed them coming into the tournament, uh, especially Netherlands, and so far so good for them. So congrats to them. Uh, teams on the other side, Turkey was really sort of, <laughs> really uh does not look good uh, i'll just leave it sort of i don't know if we, we it's, it's like it's like mincy with Ar- arkansas uh a little bit uh everyone had like turkey with the dark horse for this including me and they got a big fat zero points it's like wild yeah i, I mean, look thankfully, like a fucking idiot yeah. thankfully i talked to daniel Bachman, who's the austrian goalkeeper and actually they're up one zero right now yeah. uh, so almost because of that I, I i was forced to take austria as my dark horse team <laughs> So I'm I'm now like leaning into that, especially now that Turkey's absolutely Sabitzer's is great, man. I'm yeah, Sabitzer's great. I mean, like Arnautovic obviously has his pluses and minuses. I mean, he yeah. just I don't know. Did you see that one chance he just had? It was like he yeah, tried, I did. It was that was rather old. tame. Matt, you might have missed it, but he tried chipping uh, the keep, and it was ju- it just hit the ground and didn't do anything. He had a couple actually. He had another one that was one on him on the keeper that he did sort of tamely pull yeah. wide. So yeah, he's not had a great game nope. this game, but he still got sort of that upper level talent that he can be a difference maker in a, in a game at some point when they need him so i i do like austria i like their defense uh first you know way they go about it in terms of uh let's see what other team sweden i thought i was that uh i was not very well i guess maybe with the way i should put it is spain has been disappointing rather than sweden has been mm. impressive but I think the thing that people seem to forget with Spain is like they have been dealing with this COVID situation for the last couple of weeks, oh, which I really think that throws your entire game plan like up in the air. Like, I don't really know sort of they weren't able to practice some days and stuff like that. And like for this type of tournament, when guys come in and they have about a week before they, you know, get sent a week of practice before they get sent off to the games, like every little bit counts. So I, I, I sort of feel for Spain um and what they've been having to deal with and sort of the narratives that get spun out of that um <laughs> the team's good they just don't have a nine like if you're if no. it's basically Alvaro Alvaro is is just you know 
is the anchor of that program at the moment. It's the final 18. The final 18 is what's really kind of you know, keeping them back. And I, I just don't understand why they got Lorente as a player who's very creative, dynamic, who can do a lot in wide areas is playing at right back. I, I get it. Like the, the position is very modernized and he gets forward a lot. I get that. But I think there's this sort of, this sort of like live and die mentality that Enrique has with Marata is it's more, I think, in my opinion, leaning towards them dying with that. And, you know, you see like, yeah, he gets the goal narrowly stays onside on that one against Poland, but he fluffed three, four chances. Like, it's you're going to need to give this guy a dozen chances before he buries two or three goals, whereas he's not as advantageous. And we've seen it with him at Juve. He had a pretty good season at Madrid years ago. But um, the one team that's I think I'm surprised you didn't mention, Sam, and um, you, you can speak on them a little bit and we'll, we'll let you go here, is Belgium. I mean, the fact that De Bruyne and Lukaku are able to just completely impose themselves, assert themselves on the game. And when the game is in a balance, they more times than not are able to just take it by the throat and decide it on their own. What do you think of uh, that duo and, and Belgium's chances of going deep here? Oh, absolutely. I guess the reason I didn't say Belgium is just because they've been incredibly impressive, but that's basically what I was expecting from them. Like they are okay. so stacked, so stacked. And they, they came out and they look good even before they got Hazard out there. Who knows what Hazard is really going to bring to the table, but they get, you know, they look good before they had De Bruyne out there. Um, and there's, a, there's my question marks for them are the center backs. Uh, l- listen, I'm a, <laughs> we talked about, I'm a big Tottenham fan. Alder Vierald and Jan Vertonghen at one point, I think were perhaps the most criminally underrated uh, center back duo in the world. They were probably one of the one of the better ones in the actual world, perhaps with you know guys like Benucci and Chiellini, but like uh, and Pepe and you know what's his name Ramos. But like, I'm not sold on them being a Euros winning tandem. And I know that they got a guy in the middle of the loops. I'm blanking on his name. Big dude, Braids, uh, who is very good. But I just don't know that those Meyer? two. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just I'm not I'm not absolutely sold on them being a Euro winning. Uh, backline. So I'm just sort of throwing that out there as what could be the the fly in the ointment for Belgium. But so far, I mean, they look good. They've got so much talent. They're so deep. Belgium is scary. France is scary. The teams that I actually am highest on right now, well, just in general, in the longer term, France and England, both are coming off of disappointing draws. So maybe in terms of like the teams that I would say, if we're going to like say give betting advice or something like that, I think probably France and England would be the ones that I would, I would uh, perhaps jump on recent disappointments, disappointing results, and take advantage of that because I assume perhaps that that moved the lines a little bit. But yeah, England, France, Belgium is just uh, a machine. Germany, Germany is interesting. Um, I don't know what to think about them. <laughs> you know that I think that they showed against France that they are not as good as France, so they're not quite at that upper level with the Frances and with the Belgians, but then they came out and just thoroughly dominated Portugal. So they're clearly a dangerous team. I just, I still don't have them in that upper, upper echelon with the Belgians and with the Frances. And I have to throw England in there because I picked England to win the tournament. So I, I have to throw them in there with the Belgians and the Frances, even though you got to be honest and, and say that they're, It'll take a little something special. They're not quite as, as good as those. They're not quite as uh, dangerous or as deep as France and Belgium. Yeah, that's true. Can't argue with that. Who'd you guys, who'd you guys have winning it? 
Well, so the betting preview I put in for the athletic was like, okay, listen, I'm not an idiot. Obviously France is like the chalk pick. Um, I definitely would take them, but I said anyone outside of that, I had Italy at plus 850. I mean, listen, that's a smart, I figured you were going to say that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, And, and it's a good pick. Look, they look good. They already moved up to like plus five in a lot of spots. Um, Germany moved up again. They searched up because Germany was like one of more of the favorites at that point. Cause Germany's just like, again, like the public pick and, you know, opposed to Italy, Italy's never like a public like thing that people go with, especially what's happened the past like six years or so, but they yeah. always overachieve in this tournament. The only thing is the path is really hard. Path right is now, hard for sure. Right and now, the center backs, do you guys feel confident about, you know, Benucci I'm fine and, with them. Yeah. Who's it? Well, who's not, it? Chiellini is like the other one, but it's Bastoni is like the statuses. They got a right. Cherubi, Bastoni, so it's probably going to be. I'm fine with it. I think it's. I think it's enough. I think the the someone the way someone described it on Twitter yesterday was, Italy aren't defensive team like yeah. they are. They were in previous years, but they can they can defend, and the fact that they can defend and swiftly make that quick transition, like they're a counter attacking team now. They play high octane progressive football like they they move the ball quickly and they're scoring goals like they create a lot of chances which is not what it was you know under Conte at the previous Euro so I think that element and aspect of this Italian team makes them very interesting to watch because that's always been the one case that they lost to Germany in the the penalties in 2016 but they were never like that sort of juggernaut offensive side that can do what some of these other teams have been able to do so Italy are fun. Italy are, are fun to watch. <laughs> it's are. just different, yeah. which also scares me about them because normally they come into these tournaments and they, you know, they start off slow. They rely on their defense. People are like, oh, maybe Italy doesn't have it this time. And then they just sort of build on that. They get better as the tournament goes mm-hmm. on. This tournament, they came in just flying, hammered Turkey, um, and have just looked really good and looked really just dangerous on offense. Uh, you really can't talk shit about their defense either, given the results. Like, they haven't given the Look, when's the last time they conceded a goal? Like 2019? Uh, 12, 12 matches ago <laughs> was the last time they just scored. Yeah. Uh, and, and even then, they're not even surrendering shots on target. I think Donnarumma only had to deal with like two. They put in the B team and the B team, they replaced like eight players. And and, <laughs> and one of the, like, they kept the goalkeeper in there, like whatever. They they return a midfielder that's like a top 10 midfielder in the world when he's healthy in Verratti. It's just, it's just right now, the path would be Austria on Saturday. If results hold, then you have to go potentially to Belgium, then to France, or whoever wins uh, the group of death gets to that semifinal. The path to the final is harder than the final itself, um, <laughs> which is basically like war- the Warriors in, in the West um, when, they yeah. were, when they were winning stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just You never know what will happen. Um, I'm not too worried about the defense, only because the midfield can hide a lot of issues defensively if you have the ball all the time. Um, It's exactly why PK never got that exposed, in my opinion, um, because I always thought he was overrated. Um, But that pretty much wraps up the episode. You kind of heard the timer go off in the background, and we want to get to watch the second half of all these matches. Sam, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Really appreciate you coming on, giving us your time uh, in the middle of these Euro matches. Um, Obviously, like, the, pl- the plug for everyone out, out in uh, Europe to, to let you know where they could follow you and find all your stuff. Cause there's two separate accounts to kind of follow you um, on Twitter <laughs> uh, basically. Um, so go ahead and plug everything. Yeah. Well, it's, it's Sam's army on Twitter and, and Instagram. 
those are like the uh, you know the podcast official podcast accounts and then i got the uh, what's my i actually forget i changed my name recently it's like the the samuel army i think that's what it is the samuel army that's where uh, i sort of put my it's a real it's a real convoluted situation i i try and keep the uh the podcast um account sort of unbiased semi anyway i try and hide my bias there whereas with my the real or the Samuel army. I'm, I'm very much biased and very much, you know, pro Tottenham, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter and, and Instagram and uh, check out the podcast if you want, but thank you guys for having me on. Honestly, appreciate the, uh, the invite. Uh, you guys obviously are doing great work and I really appreciate uh, and honored to, uh, to come on and, and uh, ch- chat some footy with you. Yeah, no problem. It was, it was awesome. Man. A great time. Uh, Matt, you plug your stuff, man, Mr. 10 K followers. I'm still chasing down Sam here, but uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Santangelo. Of course, follow us on at State of Play Pod. And me and Martino do our weekly podcast with the Milan Reports. You guys can check us out on Twitch and on Twitter at MilanReports.com. Yeah, uh, follow everything on there. You could follow me on Twitter at Martino Puccio. Obviously, um, not strictly football, soccer, so there's going to be a lot of other stuff. So if you're very confused on who... Um, Jonathan VR is, I apologize. I'm probably going to have no clue. Um, other than that, you guys can listen to some lucky. Lucky.